Vishnupad Paramhamsa Parivraja Kacharja Ashtotara Sata Shishimad Asi Bhaktivaranta Swami Srila Prabhupada Ki Anantakota Vaishnavrinda Ki All glories the assembled devotees All glories the assembled devotees All glories the assembled devotees All glories to Shishi Guru and Gauranga All glories to Srila Prabhupada Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Ajnana Timirandasya Janajana Shalakaya Chakshulumitam Jaina Tasmai Shri Guru Venamaha. I was born in the darkest ignorance and my spiritual master opened my eyes with the torch of knowledge. I offer my respectful obeisances unto him. 
ಶ್ರೀ ಚೈತನ್ಯ ಮನೋವಿಸ್ತಂ ಸ್ಥಾಪಿತಂ ಜೇನ ಭೂತಲೆ ಸ್ವಯಂ ರೂಪಾ ಕದಾಂಬಾಯಂ ತದಾತೀತ್ ಸ್ವಪದಂತಿಕಂ When will Srila Rupa Goswami Prabhupada, who was established within this material world, the mission to fulfill the desire of Lord Chaitanya, give me shelter under his lotus feet? Vansha kalpa tarubhyasya kripa sindhubhyavisha patita anam pavanebhyo vaishnavebhyo namo namaha. I offer my respectful obeisances unto the Vaishnav devotees of the Lord. They are just like desire trees and can fulfill the desires of everyone, and they are full of compassion for the fallen conditioned souls. ಜೈ ಶ್ರೀ ಕೃಷ್ಣ ಚೈತನ್ಯ ಪ್ರಭು ನಿತ್ಯಾನಂದ ಶ್ರೀರ್ವೈತ ಗದಾಧಾರ ಶ್ರೀ ಬಾಸಾದಿ ಗೌರಭಕ್ತ ವೃಂದ ಐ ಆಫರ್ ಮೈ ರೆಸ್ಪೆಕ್ಟ್ಫುಲ್ ಒಬೇಸಿಸ್ ಅಂಡ್ ಶ್ರೀ ಚೈತನ್ಯ ಮಹಾಪ್ರಭು ಲೋರ್ಡ್ ನಿತ್ಯಾನಂದ ಶ್ರೀ ಅದ್ವೈತ ಗದಾಧಾರ್ ಪಂಡಿತ್ ಶ್ರೀ ಬಾಸ್ ಠಾಕೂರ್ ಇನ್ ಆಲ್ ದ ಡೋರೀಸ್ ಆಫ್ ಲೋರ್ಡ್ ಚೈತನ್ಯ ಹರೇ ಕೃಷ್ಣ ಹರೇ ಕೃಷ್ಣ 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 ಹರೇ 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 ರಾಮ ಹರೇ ರಾಮ 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 ಹರೇ ಹರೇ ಶ್ರೀ ಶ್ರೀ ರಾಧ ಕಲಚಂಜಿ Srila Prabhupada and Srila Gurudev use me as an instrument so that their message can flow through me to give me the words to serve the Vaishnavas listening. So today is Tuesday, November 23rd, 2021. We are reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 1, Creation, Chapter 11, Lord Krishna's Entrance into Dwarka, Text 24. And I am Jai Sri Radha Devi Dasi. ರಾಜಮಾರ್ಗಂ ಗೇಕೃಷ್ಣ ರಾಜಮಾರ್ಗಂ ದ ಪಬ್ಲಿಕ್ ರೋಡ್ಸ್ ಗತೆ ವಾಲ್ ಪಾಸಿಂಗ್ ಓವರ್ ಕೃಷ್ಣ ಬೈ ಲೋರ್ಡ್ ಕೃಷ್ಣ ದ್ವಾರಕೆಯ of the city of dwarka kulastriya ladies of the respectable families harmani on the palaces aruruhu got up vipra obramanas satikshana just to look upon him krishna mahautsava accepted as the greatest festival translation and purport by his divine grace ac bhaktivedanta swami shrila prabhupada when lord krishna passed over the public roads all the ladies from the respectable families of dwarka went up to the roofs of their palaces just to have a look at the lord they considered this to be the greatest festival purport to have a look at the lord is a great festive occasion undoubtedly as it was considered by the metropol- metropolitan ladies of dwarka this is still followed by the devout ladies of india especially during the days of julan and janmashtami ceremonies the ladies of india still throng up in the greatest numbers at the temples of the lord where his transcendental eternal form is worshiped 
The transcendental form of the Lord installed in a temple is not different from the Lord personally. Such a form of the Lord is called Archa Vigraha, or Archa Incarnation, and is expanded by the Lord by his eternal potency just to facilitate the devotional service of his innumerable devotees who are in the material world. The material senses cannot perceive the spiritual nature of the Lord, and therefore the Lord accepts the Archa Vigraha, which is apparently made of material elements like earth, wood, and stone. But actually, there is no material contamination. The Lord being Kaivalya, one alone, there is no matter in him. He is one without a second, and therefore the Almighty Lord can appear in any form without being contaminated by the material conception. Therefore, festivities in the temple of the Lord, as held generally, are like festivals performed during the manifestive days of the Lord of Dwarka, about 5,000 years ago. The authorized acharyas, who knew the science perfectly, install such temples of the Lord under regulative principles just to offer facilities to the common person. But persons who are less intelligent, without being conversant with the science, mistake this great attempt to be idol worship and poke their nose into that to which they have no access. Therefore, the ladies or men who observe festivals in the temples of the Lord just to have a look at the transcendental form are a thousand times more glorious than those who are non-believers in the transcendental form of the Lord. It appears from the verse that the inhabitants of Dwarka were all owners of big palaces, This indicates the prosperity of the city. The ladies got up on the roofs just to have a look at the procession and the Lord. The ladies did not mix with the crowd on the street, and thus their respectability was perfectly observed. There was no artificial equality with the man. Female respectability is preserved more elegantly by keeping the women and separate from the man. The sexes should not mix unrestrictedly. So we're continuing the discussion of how Krishna is welcomed as he enters back into back into Dwarka. There's great it's a great procession, everybody's festively decorated their homes and the roads and bridges and um and now we're talking about how the ladies are up on the rooftops, you know, greeting him with great procession. Srila Prabhupada in the purport talks about how we still see this practice happening even now when we have big festivals. The ladies come and they make a great grand celebration out of any festival. And as we're entering and nearing the end of uh, you know, 2021, we're kind of done with our festival season for the year, I guess. But we still have a couple of things that we'll celebrate. We have Gita Jayanti in December and then we also like to make a big festival out of Christmas, you know, with the gifts that we present to Radha Kalachanji. And Prabhupada makes the point here that the deities are non-different than Krishna himself, than Radha Krishna themselves. So when we're standing here in the temple room in front of the deities, we're actually standing in front of God and the goddess, right? There is no difference. Sometimes we can come here and we see, we forget. Like we might just see that they're made of stone, marble. But we have to remember that this is actually the Lord himself 
is Radharani herself. This is Gornitai themselves, Jagannath Baladev Subhadra. This is the potency of the Lord that he can occupy the stones, the marbles, the statues, and not be contaminated by the statues. He occupies the statue, but the statue does not occupy him, right? He becomes one with the statue, but it, it's still, um, he's not contaminated by the material, you know, physical presence of the stone, the marble. And deity worship is one of the nine processes of devotional service. Right? We're all here so that we can deepen our relationship to Krishna and find out who we really are. And we've been talking about this for quite some time, that we are truly, we are really devotees of Krishna. And to figure that out, to really realize that we have nine processes that help us remember that, right? We have um, hearing, chanting, remembering, um, worshiping the the Lord's lotus feet, and then deity worship. And deity worship doesn't just include the, you know, worshiping the um, deities as we see Great Pujari Maturna is doing right now. He's offering incense, and he's doing pujas. Um, it's a sort of you know, worship offering. It's a sort of respect when you offer incense and flowers and you know fragrant flowers and things like that. So it's one of the nine processes. It's the fourth, fifth process. And it's really important. Srila Prabhupada says in a lecture in, oops, I forgot to put down the date. Um, but it's a lecture on the Srimad Bhagavatam 2.3.22. Krishna has many forms. Krishna as Vishnu, as Narayan, as Baladev, as Jagannath, so many, Govinda. There are thousands and thousands of forms. So we must see at least one of such forms. Either you see Krishna form, or Rama form, or Vishnu form, or Narayan form, or Baladev form, or his incarnation, Nishimadev form, Matsyavatar, Minavatar, so many. If we do not increase our anxiety or inclination to see one of the forms of Vishnu, then our eyes are exactly like the painted eyes on the plumes of the feathers, or plumes of the peacock. It looks very nice, but it has no value. It has no seeing power. So we want to have this sense of anxiety, of um, desire, intense desire to see Krishna in his deity form, to come to the temple. And, you know, we're kind of getting back to normal after this challenging couple of years of the pandemic, where definitely last year, all of 20, most of 2020, most people weren't even allowed to come into the temple because we were in lockdown. So only those that had service could come and see the temple. And many of us realized how much we had taken for granted to be able to see Radha Kalachanji, to be able to see Radha Govinda and Chota Radha Kalachanji and Gornitai and Jagannath Baladev Subhadra. We took that for granted, and when it got taken away from us, Many of us start, did start feeling that anxiety, that intense desire. I've heard from so many people that were just like, I just want to see the deities again. I want to stand in front of the deities again. I know for me, because I was very fortunate in being able to continue my services and continue 
to worship the deities. But I still missed certain aspects of worshiping deities. I missed the kirtan as we gathered, you know, every Sunday night for the Sunday feast kirtan. Um, I missed just seeing everybody, associating with, with devotees at the temple. And all of these things are part of deity worship. You know, we have these nine processes, but each process isn't in a vacuum in itself, right? When we're hearing and chanting, such as in kirtan, we can do that in front of the deities, and that's, that is deity worship, right? When we're singing kirtan for Radha Kalashanji, that's deity worship. So it's really important that we keep this in mind, especially after coming off this pandemic, keeping that intense desire within our hearts to continue to want to see Krishna in his Radha Kalachanji form. Then Prabhupada also says in the purport of um, Srimad Bhagavatam 7, 5, 23, and 24, where they're discussing the nine processes of devotional service. It says, if one is interested in the process of archanam, deity worship, one must positively take shelter of a bona fide spiritual master and learn the process from them. In Kali Yuga, even without deity worship, everything can be perfectly performed simply through hearing, chanting, remembering, and worship of the lotus feet of the Lord. So we can still achieve and deepen our relationship to Krishna, figure out who we are, without deity worship. We can do it through hearing and chanting and remembering right, and worshiping of lotus feet of, Lord, of the Lord. But we've been so fortunate that Srila Prabhupada established this um, standard of worshiping the deity so that we can have deities to worship, so we can take part in the worship of, of Radha Kalachanji, so we can see the different forms that Krishna can take as deities. You know, we have Radha Kalachanji here, we have Radha Nila Madhava in Houston, we have um, Radha Govinda in New York. We have so many different you know, uh, forms and depicting different moods and pastimes of Lord Krishna. I forget Radha Kalachanji is just a young boy. I think he's, Maturnat, do you know how old he is? He's like, what, four or five? Yeah, he's about five years old. So this is, you know, Krishna, when he was about five years old, this is what we're depicting here. This is his form, his mood. He's just a young boy. He's very cute. You know, when, when, we, when I am so blessed to be able to dress Radha Kalachanji, I really get to see how cute he really is when you, you know, don't see him so encumbered with jewelry and you know, clothes, things like that. You get to see how like, big and little he is at the same time. It's um, interesting. Prabhupada goes on to say in that same purport, it is therefore recommended that initiated devotees worship the deity in the temple, especially for householder devotees who are opulent in material possessions. The path of deity worship is strongly recommended. An opulent householder devotee who does not engage their hand, hard-earned money in the service of the Lord is called a miser. 
An opulent householder can collect luxurious paraphernalia for deity worship, and consequently, for householder devotees, the worship of the deity is compulsory. In our Krishna conscious movement, there are brahmacharis, grahastas, vanaprastas, and sannyasis. But the deity worship in the temple should be performed especially by the householders. The Prabhupada makes this point that as householders, it is very important. He says compulsory, like it's mandatory in some ways that we worship the deity. And there are different ways that we can worship the deity. There is the process of worshiping the deity um, within the mind. So in, he goes on to say in the same purport, in the Padma Purana, Uttarakhanda, it said, all persons can generally worship within the mind. In the Narada Pancharatra, it is stated by Lord Narayan that worship of the deity within the mind is called Manasapuja. One can become free from the four miseries by this method. Sometimes worship from the mind can be independently executed. One may worship the deity by chanting all the mantras. Eight kinds of deities are mentioned in the Shastras, and the mental deity is one of them. So there is a story that Prabhupada goes on to tell in this purport about a Brahmana who is poverty-stricken, he was innocent, but he was also dissatisfied. He heard one day a class being given on how to worship the deity in a temple. And he also heard that the deity be, may be worshipped within the mind. <clears throat> so this brahmana went and cleaned himself in the river. He took a bath. And he began to mentally worship his deity. He would wash the temple within his mind. He would bring water from all the sacred rivers in golden and silver water pots in his imagination. He collected all kinds of valuable paraphernalia for worship, and he worshipped the deity very gorgeously, beginning from bathing the deity and ending with offering arthi. He felt great happiness. After many years had passed in this way, one day within his mind he cooked nice sweet rice with ghee to worship the deity. He placed the sweet rice on a golden dish and offered it to Lord Krishna, but he felt that the sweet rice was very hot, and therefore he touched it with his finger, and he immediately felt that his finger had been burned by the hot sweet rice, and thus he began to lament. While the brahmana was in pain, Lord Vishnu and Vaikuntha began smiling. The goddess of fortune, Lakshmi, inquired from the Lord why he was smiling. Lord Vishnu then ordered his associates to bring the brahmana to Vaikuntha. Thus, the brahmana attained the liberation of Samipya, the facility of living near the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So this brahmana was able to worship his deity very opulently, very lavishly, but within his mind. And that sounds like, oh, that's, you know, a hoax, or that's just, um, seems like a cheat. But have you ever tried doing something, imagining something within your mind, like, actually imagining it step by step in, in the process of your mind. It's really hard. You know, it's another form of meditation. And, what, and, you know, I've tried to do different things like that. Actually, when you are um, 
because I've also mentioned I've taken a lot of like business courses and personal development courses. And one of the things they highly recommend is if you have a goal, imagine yourself having completed that goal. Like you picture yourself having finished that goal. How do you feel? What are you doing? What are people around you saying? And this is a, a type of meditation and imagination. And they say the more you do this, the more likely you are to achieve your goal. As a matter of fact, I think I read something like Michael Jordan, you know, he would try to hit or make baskets. And when he tried out for his high school basketball team, he didn't make it because he wasn't good enough. So he decided that he was going to be good enough, right? And so he would shoot like, I don't know, a thousand baskets a day trying to make them. But in addition to physically trying to shoot baskets, he also would imagine himself walking up to the free throw line and shooting a basket and making it, watch and imagining his perfect technique. And he was able to further improve his, you know, basketball shooting skills through that. You've even said there's um, stories of people that, you know, practice the piano and sometimes they have trouble um, playing certain parts where it gets a little hard and they'll just sit back, you know, maybe before they're going to sleep, they imagine themselves playing it really well. And they, you know, whatever parts were giving them trouble, they imagine themselves playing it without the trouble, and they make it through. And the next time they sit down to play, it's like, it was like they would have been practicing all night. So when we do things within the mind, it's very powerful, but it's not easy to do. It takes a lot of discipline. So this process of imagining my goals Sometimes my mind's wandering and I'm like, ooh, there's a squirrel in the backyard and, you know, um, I've got to do these dishes and, you know, I've got to go get groceries. And, and then I'm like, no, no, I'm trying to imagine the whole, you know, what's going on here. So it's not so easy to do what this Brahmana has done, you know, worshiping from beginning to end, the deity worship process, you know, from bathing um, to making food and feeding it to Krishna, offering prasadam. So it's a practice that we can have. Especially if we don't have, um, we're not initiated and we haven't taken full shelter of a spiritual master and we don't have, um, we haven't met the standard to write, to worship the deities on the altar. We can actually imagine ourselves doing so from down here, from the temple room. There's other things that we can also do to help worship the deity. Because when you worship the deity, there's, there's so many parts to it. There's, you know, the actual, like, bathing and dressing and putting jewelry on of the, of the deities. There's the arthi ceremony, the offering of incense and ghee lamp and wick part of it. There are people that cook for the you know, they make great breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, you know, treats for the deities. That's a form of deity worship. But then there's also taking care of all of the paraphernalia that take that's involved in dressing the deities. So before I um, was initiated to, ha- to be able to do deity worship, I would come on Sunday nights and help the pujaris that were dressing the deities every Sunday night, I would come in, into the back pujari room, and I would put away everything. And that's how I learned where everything goes, where 
the jewelry goes, where the outfits go, where the crowns go, for each um, individual deities that we have. So there's a section in the back where Jagannath, Baladev, Subhadra have their paraphernalia, their outfits, their crowns, their jewelry. Same with Chota Radha Kalachanji and Radha Govinda and Gauri Tai and Radha Kalachanji. So before I even set foot on the altar, I had learned where everything went, how to arrange everything nicely, how to take care of the jewelry and the clothes that the deities wear. So if anyone's thinking, oh, I would love to do some deity worship, but I don't have initiation, I haven't been initiated by my spiritual master to be able to worship the deities, coming to help the pujaris is a wonderful way to worship the deities. And, you know, it builds camaraderie. And when I finally received initiation to dress the deities, I had a lot more, like, knowledge of what was going on. And I could pick things up a lot quicker because I had done this, you know, putting everything away. So it's, and it made it that much sweeter. Like, my my longing to worship the deities just intensified the longer I put, you know, was just doing the paraphernalia worship. And then another way we can worship the deities is to watch other people worship the deities. I have a quote about that. I'm looking for it. Anyway, so in, I think it's in the, um, okay, well, it's in one of these places that I looked. It's either in the lecture that I looked at or in the purport. But Srila Prabhupada describes how if one just watches an arti take place or watches a um, pujari worshipping the deities, it's the same as worshipping the deity. So, you know, um, it's interesting because I never really took that much interest in watching the pujaris do arti. But I was talking to my mom one day, and she was like, we were talking about what time to get to the temple for you know, Sunday feast. This is pre-pandemic. And um, I was like, well, I think the RIT starts at this time. We were, at, we were in Houston, so I wasn't sure exactly. And um, and then I had to call her and say, oh, it actually starts at this time. It was earlier than I had expected. So she quickly comes to the temple, and I was like, why would you rush over? She goes, oh, I love watching all the different, you know, RIT stuff that they do when they, from the time they blow the conch, you know, and she's like describing all the different things of the arti. And just hearing her describe it, it, you know, I became, I developed a whole new appreciation for the arti ceremony, the arti process. Um, and then I read, like shortly after seeing that, I read this description of how when we watch an arti being performed, it's the same as if we're performing it, and it's a form of deity worship. And I thought that's why my mom was so attracted to it, right? That's one of the things that um, 
attracted her to it is because it is a form, it's her way of being able to engage in deity worship is to watch someone do it. And I thought that was really interesting. And then Prabhupada goes on to say in his lecture of Srimad Bhagavatam 2.3.22, he emphasizes that um, engagement in worship of the deity has to be done under the direction of the bona fide spiritual master, and it will greatly help the householders to purify their very existence and make rapid progress in spiritual knowledge. Simple theoretical book knowledge is not sufficient for a neophyte devotee. Book knowledge is theoretical, whereas the archana deity worship process is practical. Spiritual knowledge must be developed by a combination of theoretical and practical knowledge. And that is guaranteed, that is the guaranteed way for attainment of spiritual perfection. So deity worship offers us a practical way to put into use everything that we learn from reading the Bhagavad Gita, from reading the Srimad Bhagavatam. It's a more tangible way for us to interact with Krishna, um, more so than just chanting japa. Chanting japa, our mantra meditation practice, is the most important thing that we can do. And so, so many things that we do is to support our japa mantra meditation practice. Even deity worship helps support that because it, it becomes a little bit more tangible, a little bit more concrete in our minds that we can see that we're, there's an actual form um, of Krishna that we can worship. So this, I, I'm going to end on this point that it's, it's more than simple theoretical knowledge. And there's so many ways that we can engage in deity worship. And if you're interested in you know, volunteering and spending some time um, you know, doing deity worship in whatever position you are, whether you're initiated, whether you've received Brahman initiation in order to be able to worship the deities, or you're not initiated at all, you're just on the path of interest, there are different ways in engaging in deity worship in all of those levels. So you can always contact either, you know, Chandravali um, Prabhu or even Manjawali Prabhu to ask them what services that you can take part in. Because there are so many, you know. Even if you come in and wash the pots of, you know, of the pots of which all the preps were cooked on, that could still be a way of deity worship. So there's so many different ways. Um, and then when we realize that when we're doing these, what looks like mundane, menial activities, but they're actually not, that's deity worship, then it becomes so much more pleasurable. And then we get to feel that um, sense of service to Krishna, service to the devotees, you know, um, even deeper, and that deepens our relationship to Krishna. So I'll end there and ask if there are any questions or comments. I think the microphone's right next to you. I think it's on the bottom. Uh, I wanted to. Hello. Um, I wanted to ask uh, if uh, only the women are allowed to do the deity worship. I mean, um, deity dressing, or men's are also allowed, since Radharani is there, and then we are still in 
our mind until we are think I mean as a person I think I'm a man um, although we are way above men and women so since the mind is stuck as that I'm a man and I cannot worship Radharani so wanted to know if it's possible for a man to do the DT uh, uh, dressing so the question is is whether or not <coughs> um, someone a devotee in a man's body can um, dress the deities since Radharani is there? And the answer is yes. <coughs> um, definitely. We have pujaris that are men that dress Radhakalachanji um, and the different devotee uh, deities up there as well. The, the idea is, the mindset is that, you know, Radharani is... She's sacred, right? She's special. So we don't dress either of them, Radha Kalachanji, in the mood of lust of like, oh, she's so beautiful, look at her naked. You know, it's more of uh, nurturing and caring um, as you would like a child or, you know, brother or sister, young brother or sister, right? Um, because like I said, he's only five. Kalachanji's only five. She's probably you know, not about that same age. So you wouldn't, we would hope that one wouldn't have those kind of thoughts about a five-year-old girl. Um, and so in that same way, we can express those kinds of feelings of love, but not lust towards Radharani or Krishna. And that's really what we want to keep in mind when we worship the deities. Because here in the material world, we often confuse love and lust. They're intertwined. That's how we see them. And the only way we see love as unconditional as we can experience it is with our parents. You know, And hopefully we are um, in situations that we experience as much unconditional love in that, in that situation that we can. Unfortunately, in Kali Yuga, you know, sometimes there are some things that happen that um, tragedies, atrocities that can be done by parents to children um, that, you know, that it, it can again confuse the child between love and lust. So we want to make sure that, you know, the examples that we're setting don't confuse the two. Yeah, father and daughter, um, up until a certain age, right? Even, you know, um, siblings up until a certain age, brothers and sisters will, you know, freely kind of intermingle until a certain age. Okay, I just got, oh, I thought it was a question, but it wasn't. Um, it was a comment. So, yeah, really, that's what we want to look at, is just making sure that we have, when we come to the deities, we're coming with this intention of pure love. Even if we may not have it at this moment, we want that intention of it. You know, 
So sometimes the problem can be when we start to look at Radharani as a woman and become lustful in that sense, um, if you're a man and you're attracted to women. Um, so we we want the with what we're doing with getting deeper into our relationship with Krishna is lessening these material desires and lusts that we have. So, um, especially when we're now approaching Krishna, we don't want to come with those kinds of desires to him. Because it's a very material desire. Does that satisfy you? Any other questions? All right. And I'll end there. Sarantara Srimad Bhagavatam ki.